I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be full. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. These things I command you, so that you love one another. Wow, EBF, what a rich passage we have this morning. Jesus paints a beautiful metaphor of our relationship to him and to one another. And he lays out an application in this text with great clarity. Jesus' words are so clear, so direct, so life-giving, that I almost hesitate to say anything else. We have a sermon right here in the, in the text this morning. Um, I don't want to add anything to it. This is such a great passage. That said, <clears throat> I am excited to be up here with you this morning. I'm, I'm honored to be uh, able to, to preach the word this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben Mangrich, one of the elders here at EBF, and it's been a joy and honor to serve this church in this capacity, um, and you know, I'm excited to be up here. My, uh, my father majored in tropical agriculture, so when I was growing up, the biblical metaphors that had to do with plants were always those that stood out to me. Uh, and so, as, as you can imagine, then, the I am the vine uh, metaphor was my favorite of the, of the I am statements. So, another reason why I'm excited to be uh, speaking on that this morning. Um, this passage represents the final I am statement. If you've been with us over the summer, We've been going through the I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the Gospel of John, and there are seven of them. We actually have one more message next week on I am the light of the world. Um, Joe Ueda will be, will be preaching on, on that statement. Um, but this passage today is actually the last one in, chronologically in the order of, of John. And when you look back at the statements that Jesus has made, and, and the goal of, of this series is for us as a church to know Jesus better and to get Jesus right. And when you look back at the, at the seven statements that he's made, Jesus starts out by, um, uh, by, looking at, or by describing himself as the giver of life. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Those are the first two. He's painting a picture of himself as the giver of, of life. Then it shifts to Jesus as protector. He says, I am the door. I am the, the good shepherd. From there, he talks about himself as the way to salvation. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So those are the first six. This last one here, and, and you can tell there's a little shift. He's speaking to those who have already come to him. He's speaking to people who have uh, accepted him as their Lord and Savior, and his charge is that we remain in him and continue to receive that life that, that was already spoken about. And in a sense, it sort of kind of brings it full circle, where he's talking about the giver of life and, and you know, the source of life, and now he's saying, essentially, stay connected to me and continue to receive that life. So as such, I am the vine is a good kind of ending to those seven I am statements. And as I mentioned uh, this morning, this is a powerful metaphor with a clear message, and, and 
we can take this, this passage, it was a long passage, it can be taken down many different avenues as we you know, look, look further at it. There are many different things that could be said about this passage, but I want to keep it simple this morning, and I really want to focus on two words. If you take home anything today, there are two words that I want to focus on throughout this sermon. Abide and love. Those two words, abide and love, are the, the two main points of this message and, and, and this passage here. And more specifically, if you see your bulletin, it outlines a little bit of detail, but abide in the true vine. Jesus is the true vine, abide in the vine. And secondly, bear the fruit of love. When we abide, we bear fruit, and love is the sweetest fruit that there is. So I'm going to jump in here and, and just read a couple of verses over again. It starts out by saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that I may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So when I think about a vine and fruit, my mind naturally goes to a very vivid, particular memory that I have as a, as a kid. Um, growing up, I lived in the Dominican Republic, and uh, in my backyard, we had this clothesline. It was a metal pole with a few wires connected to another metal pole, and so we'd hang our clothes out to dry on this, on this uh, clothesline. And on this line, there was always this really curly green vine that, was grow, that would grow, and there were these yellow-orange balls of fruit uh, known as chinola or maracuya or passion fruit. It was a passion fruit vine that was growing on this, uh, on this clothesline. And so whenever I hear the vine and fruit, that's naturally where my mind goes. And so, of course, reading this passage, I'm thinking about this curly green vine and fruit. And I really wanted to, to help you guys out and, and give you a visual aid of what this looks like. And unfortunately... Valley doesn't carry passion fruit. It's not in season. Um, the other thing, though, is that this, my picture of a, of a passion fruit vine is not particularly contextually accurate. So Jesus' audience wouldn't have been tropical, uh, wouldn't be thinking of a tropical vine. They'd be thinking of a vineyard, a vineyard with a, with a vine, for, you know, a grape vine. So that is what the audience would be, be thinking about. And so luckily, Valley did have grapes, as they always do year-round, so I actually brought in a, a visual aid for us this morning, and I'm going to try to, to balance them here. We'll see if I can do this without making too big of a mess. We'll see. Come on. That's just a little one. I have more in here. My kids wanted to eat all of these grapes this morning. And I had to tell them, no, no, wait until later. I need them as a visual aid here. So I'm going to leave these up here throughout this, the rest of our, our sermon this morning. Just so you guys can look up and see, 
This is the fruit that Jesus is speaking about. This is the visual example of what he's asking uh, the people, his disciples, and us to be. This is the goal, and we'll get into that more in a minute, but that's the, the visual aid for you. I also have a picture here in the back behind me of a grapevine, and here you can see pretty, pretty clearly there's some bundles or some clusters of grapes, and there's some branches, and then right in the middle, there's this main vine that connects all of these branches, and Jesus says, this is me, I'm this vine, and this is you, here's the, the branches bear fruit. So he's giving us a pretty clear picture of what, he, what you know, who he is in connection to us and who we are in connection to him and one another. And so that is the picture um, for today. Notice, though, that Jesus says, I am the true vine. Why, does, why this particular emphasis? Well, in reality, this metaphor of the vine or the vineyard, is not the, this is not the first time this has been used in the Bible, and his audience would have heard this metaphor in the past being used to describe the nation of Israel. As many Old Testament metaphors are used to describe the nation of Israel, this metaphor has been used previously. And, and actually, uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7, it says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. The people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. So, people of Judah, the nation of Israel, is described as a vine. But God is not happy with the fruit that Israel is producing in this, in this uh, passage. A few verses earlier, uh, the prophet says, What more, and God is speaking, what more could have been done for my vineyard that I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. And it, I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. So contrast that, that sentiment to what Jesus is saying here. He says, I am the true vine. Jesus identi identifying himself as a better or more true version of the vine that uh, was represented by Israel. He is the true vine, the fulfillment of what God has always intended for his people. And we get to participate in that uh, with him. And notice there's also a similar warning here in this passage uh, around bearing fruit. It says that, uh, that those who do not bear fruit will be thrown, you know, will wither and die, will be thrown into the fire. So there is still this case that God intends for us to bear fruit, but this time we have a, you know, a way to do that. We have the source of life in Jesus, the true vine. So the goal is to stay connected and this is how it's possible for us to bear fruit, through the life-giving connection, um, the life-giving power of Jesus. We, we can fulfill our purpose in bearing fruit. So the first point I have here is abide in the vine. And I just wanted to note that this word abide is used over and over again in this passage. Uh, it's used 10 times in a very short uh, paragraph. That usually is a, is a sign for us to stop Say, wait, something is meant to be communicated here. What does this word mean? What is the intention of this? It's time to you know, pick up our head and say, wait, this is used over and over again. It says, abide in me and I in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, abide in my love. The same word, abide, used over and over and over. So it begs the question, what does this word actually mean? Throughout the Bible, the original word that's used to, for abide is translated in several 
different ways. It's translated as to abide, or to live, or to remain, or to endure, or to sojourn, or to dwell. So you can see it, it has a significance that's, that means kind of a few different things or can be thought of in a few different ways. And I think for us this morning, as we think about the significance of the word abide in this metaphor, there's really three different aspects that I wanted to point out. The first is it signifies a connection. The, the branch is physically connected to the vine. Um, it transfers, there's, there's no connection, there's no life. It transfers nutrients through that connection. Um, and abiding in Jesus means a, a life-giving connection to him. It also means dependence. So beyond mere physical connection, abiding in, in Jesus means that we're dependent on him for life. Uh, we are just, just, without, just like without the, the, the vine, the branches are you know, lifeless and they wither. It's a dependence there. And the third is continuation. So it's not just a one-time connection or a one-time dependence. It's an enduring one. It's connection, dependence, and continuation. It's not a temporary thing Jesus is commanding. It is a forever thing, an enduring thing. To abide is to reside. It's, it's an enduring thing. So it means that we remain and we remain steadfast in our faith, trusting Jesus as our Lord, our source of life, day in and day out. Bearing fruit is dependent on God's character, power, work in our lives. As Jesus intends, requires the abundant life that God provides. So if you've been around EBF for some time, or even if you've just gone to our website, you'll know that we have five ethos statements. These are statements that we use to describe ourselves as to who we are and who we want to be. One of these ethos statements is the, is the idea of abiding worship. Abiding worship. And that statement is elaborated on. It says, we actively pursue connection with God so that we can offer him whole life worship. The idea of actively pursue connection suggests it's an ongoing daily thing that we do to stay connected to Jesus as divine, the source of life. And it also ties in this idea of whole life worship. So as we abide, we are filled with life. And then as an act of worship, we return our life to him. We worship God through our, the entirety of our life, through obeying him, through glorifying him, through praising him. So to summarize this first point, abide in the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. Abide in that vine. The next point, the next word that I remember that, remember that I said up front, you have abide, and the second one is love. Remember the, the last verse of this passage concludes with this statement. It says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Specifically, love is the fruit. Love is the goal. Love is the purpose of this whole statement. This fruit is love in this context. So it's, it's a fairly natural thing. I'm going to read um, just the next few, a couple few verses later, starting in verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you, these things I command you so that you love one another." So the beginning of this, of this passage highlights a pretty natural reality. When a fruit or when a branch is connected to the vine, water and nutrients flow and fruit grows. That's the natural reality. Jesus stresses the impossibility of producing fruit apart from him. He says the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. That's the reality. That's just the basic you know, nature of how plants grow. Similarly, we cannot bear fruit without staying connected to that vine. So when we abide, we naturally bear fruit. It's the outcome of that process. The word fruit is also repeated a bunch of times in this passage. Again, it's a chance for us to stop, to pause, to think, what is this communicating? What does this mean? People think of the idea of fruit in a spiritual setting. Typically, we go right our minds naturally kind of go to fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is uh, described as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things are great attributes and characteristics that God intends for us that we should be uh, bearing as you know, a fruit in our lives. And these are all things that God wants from our character. But I want to keep it simple today. In this passage, Jesus specif- specifies exactly what he means by fruit. He says very clearly, the fruit that I want you to bear is love. That is the, the main point. That's the goal here. Verse 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. See, verse 12 pivots. Jesus says, okay, here is what good fruit looks like. It's love. And what kind of love? Sacrificial kind of love. The kind of love that lays down your life. See, this is also a little bit of a gospel foreshadowing here. Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry on earth, and he's speaking to his disciples, um, and he's giving them a picture of what uh, God desires of them, of the fruit that, that he wants them to bear in their lives. But he will soon be an example of this, uh, very, very soon. It's a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, he starts this love, Jesus starts this love by laying down his own life, as he did on the cross, 
he, where he bore the wrath of God for our sins. He laid down his life for us, for his friends, for those who he calls friends. And then Jesus asks us to do the same. He asks us to do the same thing to one another, to lay down our lives. Wow, all of a sudden that sounds a little hard, right? That's laying down your life. I don't think in this context that Jesus means we should be physically martyred here. I think that this means that we should live sacrificially every day. That we should live our life in a way that puts ourselves second and others first. It's a selfless uh, lifestyle, a way that we put others ahead of ourselves and we lay down our own life and our own priorities with others uh, ahead of us. And also, remember, this is made possible by the vine. This is made possible by the love of God, the living water, the source of life. This is transferred into us through the vine. That is how we can do this. That is how we can lay down our life and love sacrificially. I have one more comment about fruit. As many of you know, fruit is sweet and delicious. Fruit is delicious and sweet. You know, think about, I love, I love fruit. I love mangoes, I love pineapples, I love berries. Um, most, most of all, mangoes are the best fruit. I also love grapes. Grapes are sweet and delicious. But the thing I love most about grapes is that they can be turned into wine. Right? That's, that is another aspect of what grapes are, are for. And um, when Jesus speaks about his, himself and his body in, uh, in command, you know, commanding his followers to take communion, he gives two aspects. He calls, this is, this is the bread which is my body, and this is my blood, this, is, this wine represents my, my blood. So he's, he's using the, the two different terms of bread and wine. And now bread kind of has a significance of, of, you know, sustenance. It's what God provides to keep us alive. It's what God provides to sustain us over time. But wine, wine is more than just sustenance. See, wine represents the extravagant and sweet overflow of God's bounty. Wine is the good stuff. Fruit is the good stuff, the sweet part of life brings joy. Verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So that your joy may be full. This, this concept is not just getting through life. This is, bearing the fruit of love is a joyful act. We are filled up with God's love, and we are able to overflow that love to other people. So let's summarize here. This passage can be summed up in two words. Abide and love. Abide in the true vine. Jesus is that true vine. Bear the fruit of love. When we abide, we naturally bear fruit. And love is the sweetest fruit that there is. This idea of abiding and bearing fruits and loving by laying down our life as I mentioned earlier, uh, conveys a continual daily process. 
So let's get practical here. I have a little homework. How can we put this into practice on a, on a daily basis, this idea of daily abiding and loving? I think generally, as a, as a community here, myself included, we're pretty good at intellectual homework of, you know, idea of, I'm going to do these things, I'm going to study this passage. I was a Northwestern student. I was, uh, I was very good at getting tasks done, checking the box, you know, studying. But this is not just an intellectual homework. This is an emotional connection that we're talking about, an emotional connection, emotional ascent to stay connected to God. It's a personal connection to Jesus that I'm referring to here. And so the homework is really that we take one minute, one moment out of our day. Let's do this for every day for the next seven days, for this coming week, to just find that time to connect with God on, an, on, a, on a personal, individual level. I don't have a specific uh, you know, set of, of tasks to check off here, but just intentionally pursue connection with God this week, every day, whether that's for one minute or for five minutes or for one hour, but either that's just individual prayer, whether that's singing a song of, of worship to him, whether that's taking a walk along the lake, whether that's meditating on his scripture, do something that intentionally seeks that connection and pursues that connection with the Lord to abide in him. So the other aspect of this homework is to bear the fruit of love by laying down your life for, for other people. And what I, what I mean is on a daily basis, specifically take one Make sure you do at least one thing where you're putting others ahead of yourself or being selfless and laying down your life for somebody. So that's the homework. Once per day, at the very least, between, for the next week, intentionally abide, pursue connection with God, and intentionally love by laying down your life for someone else. I can say that I've been, in preparing for this sermon, I've been trying to practice this homework myself for the last couple of weeks. And, and I will admit, it's not easy. It sounds kind of easy because it's just, oh, just do one thing, one, one minute, one day. But to do that on a regular basis is very hard. And it's not hard because I didn't intend to do it. It's hard because life is distracting. Life takes us away from what we want to do sometimes. And, you know, you have to get to work, you have to get home, you have to take care of the kid, you have to do something. But it's distracting. And I'll admit, I was only maybe 50% of my, of my own, you know, I was very intentional about doing this, only 50% of really making sure I had that time with the Lord and making sure I did something intentionally for others. Um, for me, the way I did it was on my commute to work. I'd spend some time with, with God, um, you know, in song and, or in prayer. Whatever that looks like for you, make, make that a priority. That's the homework for this week. And what I'll say is that even if you're 50%, that's 50% better than maybe you would have otherwise been. So it's continual. It's a daily basis thing. It's not a, I'm going to do this for one, one time or one day. So that's the homework. Abide in love on a regular basis. I have one more uh, thing to say as I wrap up here, which is that, you know, this, there's a little bit of a familiarity to this passage. There's a little bit of a I think I've heard this somewhere else. Um, there's there's a, a verse in here that says, this is my commandment that you love one another. When you think about it, there's some familiar language there. Um, and we've, we've heard this in another place. And I think this is another analogy 
for the great commandment. The words abiding in the true vine and bearing the fruit of love could actually almost be restated as love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus commands people to do in Matthew 22 when asked what's the the greatest commandment and this is what's known as the the great commandment. Is a great commandment indeed. It's one that we as believers should aim to live out on a daily basis. Abide in the true vine and bear the fruit of love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the true vine, Jesus. Thank you for being the source of life for us and for providing that, that true life, that living water for us. Help us as your followers, as your branches, to live out your commandment to love one another, to bear the fruit of love. Help us to stay connected to you day in and day out. Help us to pursue that, intentionally pursue connection with you, Lord, thank you for who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.